This is the KLW Philly Soccer Show. I'm KLW's Greg Willandini. Philly Soccer page is much the video. And this is the post-apocalypse version of the KLW Philly Soccer Show because the U.S. are not going to the World Cup. And we talked again to Jeff Barlow from ESPN about that. It's not... If you're looking for uh, jokes, this is not the podcast for you this week. So uh, settle in and, you know... Pour, your, pour yourself something good. Pour yourself a drink and get into the misery with us, because that's what we're going to do. So we had you on last week, and I asked you a question towards the end of our discussion about, and at the time it seemed pretty, pretty theoretical, what would happen if the U.S. didn't qualify for the World Cup? And this week, here we are. Um, just kind of initially, what are, what are your thoughts on the on, on the situation to kind of get us rolling here? Um, I mean, I was talking to someone else <laughs> exactly. earlier today, and I, I described it as um, I described it as the World Cup phantom limb. You know, I, I it just it's just become such a, a a normal way of thinking about the U.S. team that they're always in the World Cup. And then all of a sudden I catch myself. I'm like, wow, they're, they're really not going to be in it. And um, it's I, I, a lot of people are angry and frustrated as they should be. And I, I do think uh, Bruce Arena is wrong to say that uh, nothing needs to change. Uh, I think everything ought to be looked at. I, I'm not one to say that everything needs to be burned to the ground and that you need to start over because um, things like issues like pay to play and, you know, coaching licenses and, and, the, and, and the way those programs are structured. I mean, those have been looked at, those have been examined and, but that doesn't mean all the good ideas have been exhausted, I think. So, you know, I do think a thorough examination of the whole, whole system needs to be undertaken. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, whoever the new coach is, has got a real task in his hands because, you know, you can, you can make all the changes to the, to the system that you want, but I think those are all long-term solutions and it's not going to change the fact that there's this huge gap in, in, in the, in the number of players between the ages of 24 and 28 that have been produced that have gone on to have careers where they're consistent contributors to the national team. There's this, this huge dip. And so, um, you know, that's going to be a real challenge. Um, now, whether the U.S. SF looks, you know, abroad for a new coach or they go domestic, um, whoever that person is, is, is going to have a real fight on their hands to, to try to rebuild this team. Because you, you, you looked at the roster and, uh, you know, the, the vast majority of guys, I, I think, were, were over 30, 30 or over. And uh, there are only five guys under the ages of uh, 25. So um, now, granted, that doesn't include guys like John Brooks and um, you know Jordan Morris, you know who I think will be you know contributors for years to come. But I, I think it does highlight that this was a team that got old in a hurry, and uh, so that that is obviously going to have to be addressed. I could I could go on for hours. <laughs> about this. Uh, I, mean, I, I, feel, I feel like we're not cover everything. We're we're both still just I think a little flabbergasted here, and you know I, I get the sense talking to just other other soccer people that it's 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 hard to come up with the words of what to say, and then it's hard to stop talking about it when you get going mm-hmm. because I, I think there's so yeah. many there's so many answers that we're all we're all looking for. Um, going by your what you just said, it and I think uh, it goes. A, a lot of other people are thinking it too. That Bruce Arena is is going to be done shortly. Are you getting the sense that he's going to step down, or is he going to be relieved of his duties? And I think the follow up question to that is: and many people have been saying that this should be the end of Sunil Galati's run too. Um, have you gotten? I, I guess we'll find out more. He's got a press conference scheduled for tomorrow. But what is what is the sense around people you've talked to about Galati's future as well as Arena? Well. Everything I've heard is that he, he's going to run again. Um, that you know, I've heard from quite a few people saying that that he's laying the groundwork to, to run. I, I think, um, I, I I personally feel like it's time for for new ideas at, at the head of the Fed. I mean, I mean, I guess first you have to kind of differentiate between the business side and then the 
the on-field, you know, team side. And I certainly think financially the Federation is in as good a position as it's ever been. I mean, they're sitting on a, what is it, a $100 million surplus. Um, I, I think where the changes need to come are in terms of what gets done with, with the playing side. I mean, you know, I, I think the process by which coaches are hired needs to be looked at as well. I mean, it, uh, it, the, the USSF can't seem to, to hire someone who lasts the full cycle. I mean, that's, that's a pretty heavy indictment, I think, is obviously Bob Bradley didn't make it through his second cycle. You know, Klinsman takes over, and then, then he doesn't make it through the next cycle. I mean, that almost used to never happen. I mean, that was when, – when Bradley got fired, that was like, wow, this is, this is new and, and this is different. And um, it's happened on the women's side too with Tom Sermani. So, uh, you know, that's why I think, you know, a change in leadership at the top of the USSF is necessary. And, listen, Sunil Gulati isn't going to go away. I mean, he's still the head of the, of the United Bid Committee that's, that's trying to bring the World Cup here for 2026. He's still got his spot on the FIFA Council. Um, that isn't going to change whether he's USSF president or not. And so, uh, you know, he, the, the game in this country can still leverage uh, a lot of Sunil Gulati's expertise. Um, but I, I just think it has become a little insular. And I think, uh, you know, I think people with some deeper roots on, on the playing side of the, of the ledger need to get involved with the sport. So let's let's look a little past the the senior team and at kind of the U20 and U23 level and there's been struggles at that level and obviously if your your youth teams are struggling and you know having issues getting in the Olympics and in tournaments and things like that it, it it speaks to what you brought up and I think the Guardian the article in the Guardian brought up too that core of that 23 to 27 24 to 28 year old player where guys are kind of rounding into their prime yeah, you're you're losing a generation. So, what can be, what can be done at those levels to kind of push things along for the net for the for the senior team? I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, because you know, I look at some guys from that generation, and it just you know, I think a guy like Terrence Boyd has had terrible luck with injuries. You know, a guy like Juan Agudelo, I think, made some questionable career decisions you know Breck Shea for whatever reason hasn't been able to to get through but I, I think you know obviously his move to Stoke kind of stalled his, his trajectory a, a little bit I mean granted you, you can't it's tough to walk away from the kind of money that you make in the Premier League but um, you know I, I just I, I, it, it's tough to make it's tough to, to say that that is, is really systemic and and you know it just, that was something that Casey Keller brought up to me in, in a conversation uh, a few weeks ago. Just um, you know, this, the, the warning signs have been there. You know, obviously the failure to, for the Olympic team to qualify, and you know, granted that's not that tournament's not taken seriously in some parts of the world, but it's always been a big deal here, and it still gives guys international experience and a taste of what that's like. And so, um, you know, I, I think that. The solution for that is a little bit tougher to quantify. Um, the last few editions of the U20s have, have done pretty well. Um, so it's, you know, I, I, for me, that's, that's a little bit tougher question to answer in terms of what can be done for that 23 to, to 28 age group. Um, for me, the killer age group has always been, you know, from, say, 17 to 21. Um, it seems like we've always been very competitive at U17 level. And then that, that transition from being a youth player to the pro has always been a, a tough one because it's, it's tough for those guys at that age group to get games. Um, I think, you know, certainly what's been done with the USL, I think is a step in the right direction because at least there's a way, there's an outlet for those guys to get competitive games. Um, but, you know, in talking to guys like Steve Chirundolo, they're saying, you know, man, the level and those youth games in Germany is just incredibly high, and, and, and as a consequence, that, that pipeline keeps flowing. So, uh, you know, I, I still think that's something that the USSF continue, needs to continue to look at, and, uh, you know, whether that means moving the development academy up into a higher age group, 
that's that's a little bit tougher to say because obviously then you're kind of competing with the college game a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it's um, to, to me that's 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 really the the age group where things start to, start to fall apart a little bit in the U.S. development system. I think one of the reactions that I've seen on Twitter that I would call a little bit of a knee jerk reaction is is for people to just say that it's it's time to move on from basically the generation of players that's over twenty five and the on the U.S. Uh, national team and and to just start bringing up those kids now um, and even I think almost forgetting about the the generation of players that, that you guys have both discussed in in terms of that that has not rounded into the form that the generation in front of them did what is your sense about that kind of thing happening and at least getting more of the u20s and u22 guys involved in the senior team earlier well, uh, the whole, you know, throw everyone out, you know, who's 30 and over, I, I don't subscribe to that. Um, I think, you know, yes, you know, some there are some players that the team needs to move on from. I mean, I, I think, you know, Tim Howard, Clint Dempsey, DeMarcus Beasley, I mean, those guys are all in their mid-30s. Um, but I, I do believe in the value of, of mentoring of having older players around to mentor the younger ones. Uh, so if, you know, a Michael Bradley is around for the next two years or so, um, you know, say through the next Gold Cup, uh, I think there's some value in that. Um, I, I don't think that the, the solution is to simply go younger across the board, you know, 23 and under, and just kind of throw them out there. I, I think that that's kind of a dangerous way to do it. I mean, I, I have, I've yet to see a U.S. national team, you know, well, let me back up a little bit. I mean, after every World Cup, you know, there, there's some experimentation that goes on. Some new guys come in. Some old guys are ushered out. And, but, but some older guys stick around. And so, you know, I, I think there's value in, in kind of passing down wisdom, passing down knowledge. I mean, you could say that, this experience of, of missing the World Cup is terrible, but um, you know I, I still think there's some knowledge from those players to be imparted to the younger ones, and I think that's what you'll ultimately see happen. Is you will see a Josie Altador, I mean, who I think he's only 27, so um, you know you will see I think a Michael Bradley for a little while, um, maybe an Ali Bedoya to kind of you know lead by example and, and kind of show what the younger show the younger players you know what it's going to take. I mean. Granted, you know, some guys like a Weston McKinney are playing for big clubs already, but, you know, the, the international game is a bit different. And, um, you know, I think as Christian Pulisic has discovered over the last 12 months, you know, it's not like playing in the Bundesliga. I mean, it, you're not going to be playing on perfect pitches and in front of big crowds all the time. It's, you know, you, you've got to find a way to, to excel in, in, in super difficult conditions. And so... Um, you know, it, so that doesn't become an issue anymore. So yeah, I, I don't. The, the whole get rid of every single older player. I, I don't buy that. Radio.com. Speaking of Christian Pulisic, what kind of effect do you think this has on 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 him on his development? Not being able to get into the World Cup. I mean, you know. Everything being equal, he's going to be here for a long time if you know if he keeps on this trajectory and there's no major injuries, nothing like that. But you know, have the opportunity at 19, and if the team was going to World Cup, he was most certainly on would be on that roster, obviously. So kind of he's missing out on that first opportunity. Uh, so we we think that how that affects him. You know, I don't think it's going to affect him a whole lot. Um, you know, I I. I I will say that you know the the vast majority of player development comes at club level. Um, you know the national team only gets together every so often. Um, that is, that that's not to say that a national team coach can't help move a player along or that a player can't benefit from experiences that happen with the national team. But you know I, I think this guy is on such a rocket ride already. I, I really don't. Yet stopping. I mean, he's playing for one of the biggest teams in the world. Um, he's playing in a fantastic league where he's going to be challenged 
every week. He's playing in the Champions League, which is, you know, obviously the, the ultimate challenge at club level. So, you know, I, I, I don't really worry about Christian Pulisic so much. I, I worry a little bit more about kind of the what this is going to do to the high-level MLS guy who would have been part of that World Cup team. Um, maybe a guy who's maybe over in Europe, but kind of on the fringes of the first team. You know, I, you know, I can remember a guy like Tony Santa, you know, and, and what, you know, that 2002 World Cup meant for him. Um, you know, he, and so, uh, so I, I really think it's those, those more mid-range players that this is really going to hurt. And, um, you know, I think it, we'll see it a little bit in World Cup qualifying the next time around because obviously there's going to be a lot of new faces. Um, and some of the guys that would have been on that team this time around, again, could have, could have used that experience to kind of help bring those guys along. I think while we're talking about club level, I think one of the things that I've seen a lot of people talk about over the last couple of days is the, the amount of players that came back from Europe to MLS, and then that affected their form both as a player at club level and at the national team level. And I think people point to guys like Clint Dempsey and maybe Michael Bradley and Josie Altador as guys that didn't catch on in Europe or, or, or didn't want to play there anymore and, and, and came back. And it, I don't know how much stock that I put into that, but it, it, it seems, and I, I hear people talking about the fact that MLS has made CONCACAF better, but somehow it's made the USA worse. Do we put any stock in, in that? I don't. Um, you know, it's it's always... I, I think there is an impulse to think that if a guy is in Europe, that it's, it's automatically helping him more, even if he isn't getting playing time. Um, you know, you, you've got to be... You've got to be playing somewhere. Um and I mean, without by all means, try to play at the highest level that you can. But um, you know, at, at Roma, Michael Bradley was not a guy that was going to see the field every week. Um, yeah, you could argue that that maybe the the competition within the team would have sharpened him up a little bit more. Uh, but, but I also think the other aspect that people have to remember is these guys had a ton of money thrown at them. I mean, if if it's a choice between setting your family up financially for life, um, that's a, that's a really power. That's, that's really hard to walk away from. So, um, you know, and then there's, you know, there's the leadership aspect of it too. I mean, Michael Bradley has to come back and be the guy for his team. Um, you know, I, I think, in the case of a guy like Dempsey, I think age has caught up with him a little bit. Um, I mean, Altador has had a ton, you know, quite a few injuries. I mean, last year, you know, year and a half, it seems like he's finally gotten healthier. But, um, you know, it, I, I don't Yeah, I mean, I think you brought up a valid point where, you know, how is it that these, you know, these U.S. guys are getting worse in MLS and, and all the CONCACAF guys are getting better? I mean, I... I, I think that's that's tough to. I think there, there's an inherent contradiction there. So, kind of get into the realm of the what ifs a little bit. Say, last World Cup cycle and the twenty uh, and the twenty fourteen World Cup, Klinsman becomes a technical director, or whatever title they want to give him. He kind of moves up to being kind of the overseer of development or or, or whatever they kind of figure out he's going to do, but he's removed from the field, but he's more of a technical, well, technical director basically. And they bring in, say, just to throw a name out there, like a, a guy like Dom Kinnear or Jason Christ or some, one of the younger uh, uh, MLS guys that come in and take over. Are we seeing something different than what we saw uh, in, in this World Cup uh, qualification cycle? Is do, do, do you see anything changing drastically if Klinsman was taken out of that coaching position and given a more kind of CEO, technical director kind of spot? I mean, that, that's tough to say. I mean, I, I don't think Klinsman would have accepted that mm -hmm. that kind of scenario. I, I think, you know, in the, in the wake of what happened to him with the German national team where 
he initially got a lot of the credit, but then this documentary came out and showed that, that Yogi Love was, was kind of the brains behind the operation. And then also what happened to him at Bayern Munich, I, I, I think there was a lot of motivation on Klinsmann's part to really kind of prove that he was a coach, that he was, that he, you know, was tactically astute, that he knew what he was doing. And so um, I think that would have been a hard, you know, I don't think that's a scenario that he would have accepted. I mean, assuming for a moment that that it, that, that came about, um, I, I mean, it, it's tough to say because, you know, the players, I think, do, do bear a ton of responsibility and they do uh, play a huge role in this. And so, uh, you know, whoever the coach was, whether it was a Peter Vermes or, or someone like that, um, they would have been faced with these challenges. I, I do think if a Peter Vermes was in charge, that team would have had an identity. That team would have uh, had retained, you know, a few more of the, the traditional U.S. team characteristics, you know, the, the, the fight, the, the consistent, you know, hard-to-play-against mentality. Um, that got lost somewhere along the line. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a fair question to, to ask, you know, whether if someone else had been in charge, that would have been maintained. But I have a feeling we're about to find out because um, certainly a guy like Vermes, I think, will be on the short list mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of coaching candidates when, when that time comes. I'd like to get your idea on that short list, but I was going to ask a different question first. And I, I, I want to go back to the game on Tuesday specifically. And you were, you were in Orlando and then you were down in, in Trinidad around these guys and it, it seemed like the the game against Panama was was a big win but it was it was a tough day weather wise it was emotionally exhausting and then they decided to stick with the same 11 were you worried about that from the start when they kicked off on Tuesday no because i think you know continuity there is something to be said for continuity and and Trinidad i think they, they only had like three guys that, that weren't in the starting lineup from, from the previous game, if, I, if I'm uh, correct in remembering that. You know, I think, and I think their front seven was, you know, very much the same. Their front six or seven was, was almost entirely the same. So, I mean, I didn't really get the sense that, I, I mean, I thought Arena would make two or three changes. Um, I mean, I, to me, the, the only thing that kind of raised a little bit of an eyebrow was that Pulisic was in the middle again. Because whenever that happens, that, that puts an, an enormous burden on Michael Bradley to do all of the defensive work in the center. Now, I mean, you can compensate for that by having the wide guys pinch in a little bit, um, you know, give them some help there. But, you know, that, that was a little bit of an eyebrow raiser because that was different than what uh, Arena has typically done on the road. Um, I mean, the other surprise, which I felt more about, prior to the, the Panama game was that Jeff Cameron somehow saw himself yeah. you know, out of the running. I mean, he didn't play a minute in either of these two games, and I think he's arguably in the top three players that the U.S. team has. And so, uh, so, so that was a little bit of, of a surprise, although you know, the, the fact that, that Arena went with a winning lineup, you know, that, that was always kind of the, the default in terms of the logic that you went back to. So... Um, no, I wasn't really especially worried. I mean, I thought <laughs> when that game kicked off, I thought this team is good enough to get the result it needs, more than good enough. And so, uh, you know, that, but there just seemed to be this team-wide malaise that, that, that there wasn't the sense of urgency. I mean, Michael Bradley dismissed it saying it was a different kind of game. I... I it was a different kind of a game, but I don't think that can be used as an explanation for why there was just this, this lack of fight, lack of just lack of urgency. I mean, we saw it, the, you know, on Friday night, and I don't think that was necessarily a product of the way Panama played. That 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 urgency was there, and it wasn't there on Tuesday in Trinidad. So, um, you know, I mean, the lineup just didn't bother me because I thought you know what, this team is good enough to get the result it needs. I think that's a fair assessment. And you mentioned Peter Vermees possibly, uh, prob- probably on the short list. Care to share who you think might be on the rest of that short list? Well, I mean, 
I think a guy like Tata Martino needs to be looked at. Um, I have no idea if he would be interested in jumping back into the international game. Um, you know, he very very may well decide that you know building Atlanta United into a juggernaut with immense financial backing is is going to be more enjoyable for him. Um, I think Vermes will get a look. I think Tab Ramos will get a look. Although I think the fact that Ramos has not managed a club team, uh, you know, full of men as opposed to, to you know, 18, 19, 20-year-olds uh, is a little bit of a mark against him, I think. Um, you know, whether I, – I can't, I can't really think of too many other American coaches – who will who will get a look? Um, you well, know, the I, other I question there is: Is it time to look past Patrick American Vieira, coaches? But you know, he might get he might get a look as well. Is it time to look past American coaches? Do you think? I think they ought to cast as wide a net as possible. Um, you know, I think they ought to take a look and, and see who's interested. I mean, I don't think that the job is that attractive to to someone from outside the United States. Um, that's not to say there won't be a ton of applicants, but you know, is that, are those applicants going to be guys that us soccer wants? Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 again, I I think the U S ought to look far and wide and then try to try to weigh, you know, the the pluses and minuses. Um, if I were a betting man, I would say that Vermese will, will get the job, but I mean, there's a long way to go in terms of that process. What's Borer doing these days? Let's bring Borer back. He was always fun. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good time, at least. He's uh, still a soccer gypsy, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, so I think we'll wrap up with you soon. One, one question I do have for you is, say you're Peter Vermees or Mystery Coach X, whomever they hire, your first day on the job, what's the first thing you do when you, uh, when you walk in, when you get the keys to the national team? Um... I think the first thing I do is I approach some of the veterans and you have some, some real honest conversations about their role going forward and see if that's something that they're willing to sign up for. And um, a lot of guys are, are, I mean, I don't think you want to be going into the next world cup with a 34 or 35 year old center midfielder. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and then uh, I think you go about looking at, at some of the, the younger players and you, you start thinking about how, how you want to build this team. I mean, the spine of this team needs to be completely rebuilt. Um, you know, you hope a guy like John Brooks uh, is able to find a, a semblance of health, but um, I just I do think the transition needs to be as smooth as possible from, you know, from the older players down to the young, the younger ones that are, they're obviously going to get a lot of minutes. And so, um, uh, I think that's a key piece. Um, but I mean, there are a lot of key pieces. Um, you know, what kind of future does a guy like Bobby and Johnson have? I mean, you know, are, are some of these guys who were, you know, mainstays under Klinsman, I mean, are they going to decide that they've had enough of the international game? And that's, you know, that happens, yeah, you know whether regardless of background that that's that's going to happen um but i mean that was another kind of that was another surprise i had that that fabian johnson wasn't called into these last couple games um if for no other reason than to to provide some help in the back um at outside back so uh I, but i digress I, I think you know whoever the next coach is he's going to have to have a, a decent blend of youth and experience and i i think to kind of bring the younger guys forward, that, that it's going to be important. Radio.com. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you uh, again for uh, taking out some, uh, some of your time uh, to talk with us about the national team. I wish the subject matter was a little happier, um, but we all do. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank you for uh, giving giving some great insight again on kind of what's going on with the national team. People want to check you out out there on Twitter. I uh, want to read your stuff. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Jeffrey Carlisle on Twitter. 
And then uh, just uh, go to ESPNFC.com and do a search on my name, and uh, you'll, you'll find an archive of everything I've done. Well, as always, a pleasure. Thank you very much for uh, for your time tonight. Thanks, man. Jeff. Anytime, guys. Take care. Uh, ESPN's Jeff Carlisle coming on with us again to... <sighs> I'm, I'm just sad again. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little... And it's, it's funny. He's, he said that the, the Phantom uh, uh, World Cup limb, and... Like Tuesday night or Tuesday during the day, I'm thinking, okay, you know, we'll go up, but oh, you know, I can't wait. You know, when we start filling out our schedule at work, I'm gonna, you know, take all the group games off so I can watch it. You yeah. know, kind of watch and relax and watch the U.S. and uh, you know, and then figure it out from there how I'm gonna watch a game. And yeah, you, know, you keep thinking about oh, the world, oh, right, yeah, they're not playing, and I'm of course gonna still watch World Cup. Yeah. I miss the World Cup, and, and and we're just gonna have to take off the days where Iceland plays. Exactly, we're all, we're all Iceland now. I'm I in for Iceland. I, am, I like I am Iceland. Ready. Guilty Sigurdsson is one of my favorite players. Yeah, I, I like their jerseys. I think I I'm, I'm going. I'm the going. Viking in. clap. Well, you, like, yeah, you the, can't go wrong. How, how could you go wrong? <laughs> and, yeah. and I, I love an underdog story. A country yeah. with three hundred thousand people. I'm rooting absolutely. For them. And um, I mean, this is bad. People I always gauge things. That happened in soccer by how non-soccer people yeah. react. Yeah, and everybody was coming up to me like like I lost my best friend. No, it was the same. <laughs> it was the same for when I went when I went into work at the museum on Wednesday. Like people, I, I'll admit that I, I work at a science museum. There's not a lot of sports people there. <laughs> everybody that I work with was like, "Oh man, that was a rough one." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody was, uh, "You okay? Is uh, what happened? How did that happen?" And I'm yeah. like. And like like Jeff said, you don't want to talk about it, but once you get started, it's like, well, they got to do this, and they have yeah. to change that, yeah. and they got to fire this guy, and they got to do this. And um, and it's tough because I don't, I don't know where you begin. I mean, it, it, it's – there is that Jeff, – Jeff made a good point. I mean, there was a good article in The uh, Guardian where they talked about that 24 to 27-year-old. They don't have that guy, yeah. you know, or they don't have him in abundance. I mean yeah. – uh, Bobby Woods in that group, and I think Bobby Woods is a guy that's going to stick around, and then he's a guy I like a lot. Um, I think Jeff was a little generous with a couple of the veteran guys. I don't. We love Allie. I don't know if Allie's going to be in, in, in the long term plans for for the national team. I get the, I get the feeling he he might be a guy on the outside looking in at this point. Michael Bradley could stick around just because he's Michael Bradley. And he's he's kind of got the national team pedigree. Um, you know, Altador's gonna stick around, but I mean, he his performances haven't been spectacular for the national team. I've I know he, not I, been impressed with him. I was, and I was beyond frustrated with him on Tuesday. I thought for me, he was one of the guys that just didn't show up in the mm-hmm. game, just and played passionless. I think he had one open chance with a header that was an awful miss from him from close range. Yeah. Um, just not involved physically. Um, I thought I, th- I thought he was one of the worst players on the pitch. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff Jeff Cameron's a mystery. Why? I mean, he's he's. I, I didn't realize he was. He's thirty two now, which I didn't realize. I thought he was younger. Just, but yeah, he's he's thirty two now. But that's a mystery. He didn't play. Uh, NBC Soccer, uh, their soccer portal on NBC Sports had a nice, interesting write up about that whole situation. And apparently, he, the arena told him he wasn't fit enough. But he played. But he played, ni- played ninety minutes against 90, Southampton for yeah, Stoke. And you know, if he could play ninety minutes in the Premier League, he probably could. Playing one of the, at least one of these two uh, yeah games, and for me, I you know I still with the group of center backs that we have available, he's the best one. Yep, yeah. uh, Omar Gonzalez is a guy I don't need to see anymore. Nope, I'm done. It, it, Espe- it, I, after that, I went on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean that was a terrible performance, I, and the own goal just adds to it. Yeah, oh, yeah, Omar Gonzalez is not a guy. Tim Ream's not a guy. I ever, I ever, ever have I to see in the Tim national Ream. national team uniform. I mean, there's a lot of guys. You go through the list. Okay, he's gone. He's not around. He's not around. He's not around anymore for age or for performance. And and you, you hope Brooks gets healthy so he's a guy that yeah. can come in. But I, I think, and I, I kind of wanted to ask Jeff about, but we we I didn't get chance, we didn't really get into it. I do think that that whole crop of German American players. I, I you know, I'm trying to say this as delicately as I can, but maybe bringing those guys in stunted some of the guys behind them that you were bringing through the academy and not a lot of these guys stuck when you think about it um johnson is in that group Fabian johnson he's in and out nobody's sure kind of what he what he's going to do so i know that was clinsman he had connection with those guys it's fine but 
that they go a little too too heavy in that direction. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think it's it's that's a it's, that's, a, that's a tough thing to talk about, isn't it? it it's it's tough, and, and and I'm trying, like I said, I'm trying to do it delicately, and I, I'm not trying to disparage his players or their background or anything like that. But it, it, it's it was a matter of were they overvalued because of the you know they can't it came through that playing in Germany and I think all that. It's it's tough to say under arena because mm-hmm. there hasn't been really that many games. I think they were under Klinsmann though. Yeah, I think that group of players was. Yeah, so I mean that that you that could be could be a thing you could point to where you there was some stunting and development in, in the national team because of maybe overvaluing some of those guys. Anyway, uh, so I'm not getting into that uh, territory, but I mean it's it's something. And Jeff said a lot of stuff you got to look at. That could be something you could look at. Now it's kind of in the past, so I don't know what what's that something you could do about. But it's one of the things you got to look at. The other problem is we touched on this last week. All of a sudden, we can't develop goalkeepers. Yeah, that, that you have to rely on Tim Howard. What the hell? That probably Horvath is your guy going forward, but is he? I don't know if he's a guy that excites a lot of people. You know, the Sean Johnsons, the Bill Hamids haven't made that step. Nick Romando is, uh, you know, Older. aging out. Uh, he's a guy, you know, and he was always kind of a, a kind of a fringy national team guy anyway. Um, that's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's a huge problem. No, it's 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 amazing how quickly it went from being a strength for the USA yeah. to to being a detriment. Yeah, um, that in defense. I mean, th- that in defense that you can. We made center backs. We made goalkeepers, and we're not doing either right now. Yeah, and unless Brooks get help, gets healthy, and you find some of these guys, and that's the whole issue with player development. I think in this country that other nations have a pipeline. Like Brazil. Brazil knew who Neymar was go, probably going to be when he was probably like 17. They or Maybe at 14. Or 14 or 10. <laughs> who knows? But, but at least they, they kind of pegged him. It's like, okay, that's that's the guy, you know, barring something drastic or he stops growing because, you know, he doesn't, you know, or whatever. That's the guy. He's going to be the guy going forward at some point. We don't have that pipeline. We, we're, we're, I always compare it's like prospecting for gold like you, you, you know you're in the in the stream looking for that nugget and you know we got christian Pulisic all of a sudden that's like he kind of just was there <laughs> at least at least we have that at least we have that <laughs> um so, so that so there's no real pipeline it's just like sometimes these guys just kind of show up you feel like yeah uh Maybe that's going to change. Maybe as the the uh, MLS Academy system proliferates a little more, and guys are getting opportunities with USL teams, like like Jeff touched on, where you have a guy like Derek Jones. I mean, he's a good guy, a good example coming through an uh, MLS uh, uh, youth team, playing for the Bethlehem Steel, getting first team minutes with the Union, getting on the U twenties. You know, Austin Trusty, another guy. So maybe with the MLS Academy being part of this and that getting strengthened, that'll change. But that takes a while. Yeah, I well, I think that there there needs to be structural changes to how players are identified. I think mm-hmm. at young ages. And um, did you did you read Kevin Kincaid's piece about he kind of debunked some of the the major a little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and I, I think one of the things that he he did a good job pointing out in his article was there are great soccer players around this country that can't afford to play in the pay to play leagues that are probably urban-based soccer players of, uh, you know, perhaps immigrants to this country that, that aren't being scouted and they're, they're around, they're playing good soccer in places. And how do we get them Mm -hmm. involved in in the U S system? And I don't, I don't know the answer to that question is, but I think, I I think we need to figure it out because I, I do think that there are lots of diamonds in the rough in this country I think you have to change the perception of the sport because everywhere else in the world, soccer is what kind of basketball is here. It's the sport of the people. It's the sport of the streets. You know, it's a sport of like, you know, the urban centers. It's, it's basket, you know, that's what soccer is kind of around the world. Kind of, you could compare it to what basketball is here. It's the sport of, you know. And here, soccer is perceived. It's the sport of the prep school. It's the sport yeah, of the suburban of sport. the suburban clubs. It's a, it's the sport of you know of that. And, and it, 
I think you have to figure out, and these are big issues, and we're not going to solve them, me and you, but you have to figure out how to change the perception of what the this, this sport is. And you have to open those doors to other players, to guys that aren't getting a glimpse at, at an opportunity to play at, at inside the U.S. system or at that level. That can play at the level, they have that talent, but aren't you have to marry? You have to figure out how to get the opportunity. I mean, I mean, U.S. hockey has tried to get into the you know inner, inner cities and, and into kind of break out of because hockey, you know, hockey is a very expensive sport. It is for, to play at the youth level. It it's I all played. the equipment. Yeah, I mean, it's all the equipment. <laughs> it's ice time. It's yeah, all that. Yeah, but there's been some attempts by you know at the NHL level and at the youth development level to get into different areas. That's the big step that U.S. soccer has to make, and, and to do that, you have to change the perception. And uh, I kind of threw it out there, and I, I forgot to look up, but I was going to shout out the Twitter user's name, but we were getting into, uh, uh, if you're listening, thank you, but we were kind of getting into a back and forth about kind of what U.S. soccer did, and not really, we didn't talk too much nuts and bolts, but it was, you know, at a very early level, establish a style of play. And you know, from the U10s to the Olympic team or to the, you know, the junior, you know, the high junior teams or whatever, 19, 20, 21 year olds, that's the style you play. And you can look at, you know, the bad example this year, Dutch are out of it. But I mean, that's what the Dutch have done for 40 some years now that, you know, the, the 4 3 3 is in their DNA because they play it at the U10 level. Yeah. And they, it kind of follows them all the way up. Now, can you translate that? Much larger participation in soccer than there is in hockey, so and, and it's a much more fractured setup. So, can you translate that? I don't know. You probably can. Not easily, though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I we're, we're talking about. I mean, it's big issues. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I think this is what we can do. We can talk about them. Yeah. This is this is where and kind of get sit. it out there, and people who are smarter than us, smarter than us, are making a lot more money, and we too can figure it out. Um, it's, it's, and there, there needs to be a leadership. Obviously, Bruce Arena is not going to be the coach, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, does Peter Vermees excite me being the national team coach? You could do worse. It doesn't excite me though. No, <laughs> I like Peter. I'm, you know, I, he's, I, I like Peter Vermees. He's a local guy. You know, yeah. Jersey guy, Burlington County. He's from, he's from no, Del Valle. He's been a good MLS coach. He's been for, a very, you know, a good a MLS period. coach. And he, you know, he's been involved in, you know, he, he was a national team player and, he's, you know, he's gotten up, played overseas and things like that. So he's got experience. He's, he's been in the game. You know, he's a lifer. He's been in the game forever. Did you, do you, did you agree with uh, Jeff's assessment that the USA job is not a sexy job for those outside the USA? I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. And maybe I don't necessarily agree with that on a gut feeling more than yeah. a, a factual one. Because it's like, hey, we're America. It's a, yeah. Everybody... Well, who would not want to coach the American national team? You know, I think there's, 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 it could be an amazing job. That's the thing. I think the potential. Maybe it's not. That is the, is the reality. The potential for it to be amazing. Because if you could come in here and succeed and get the U.S. to a final or you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go crazy and say they win, but if you could get them far, you know, to a semifinal, to a final, you know, that would be that's massive, that's huge, and in a country this big, to do that, you know, in the media capital of the world and all of that, it, it's enormous, and I think it's, I think it's a, I don't know if it's an attractive job, but I think it might be an attractive challenge, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, I think it does. Um. But who who's willing to take that risk? I, I don't know. I I mean I I thought it was right to bring up Martinez's name, mm-hmm. uh, and I I can also see what Jeff said about a guy that maybe just wants to hang out down in Atlanta and spend loads of money on expensive players and I, have I, a I, great club team for a good period of time. Yeah, that's, I, that's I think he, sure <laughs> he has about the best situation you can have in MLS. Yeah, I mean he has you know new city, brand spanking new stadium. Owner that will say, "Here, here's a check. Do what you need to do." Yeah. Uh, I wonder what that's like. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, here's a, here, yeah. Do what you got to do to give me a winner. And 
This podcast next season is just going to be about Atlanta United. It, it, it might it? be. I'm, so, I'm good with that. So when you're you're in a good situation, and I think national team coaching can be pretty 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 damn thankless. Yeah, it's <laughs> tough. I mean, you're, it's a lot of it's a lot more travel. Yeah, it's more tra- you know. scouting players. It's going to see guys form. And, so he could be in a position in his life, and you know, he's living in probably a nice home down in Atlanta and yeah. enjoying all the benefits of of living in the states and. Like I said, having a great situation at your club level. Um, yeah, let's bring back Bohr. Bohr was so much fun. He was crazy. <laughs> he was great. Crazy. Bohr Miltelovich. Um, butchering his name, obviously. Um, I mean, I, I don't know who, who would be out there. Who would be, you know, you know Sven Jorn Eriksson come back? No. Come here? No. no. Fabio Capello, a guy like that? No. no. <laughs> I don't want any of these guys. No. I no mean, one, no could, one that's ever coached England, ever. Yeah, exactly. No. I mean... You know, but that could be who you're looking at. Some guys that are retreads that are kind of like you said, soccer. Like we said about Bori, he's a soccer gypsy, which is these guys that are retreads that aren't here for anything permanent. You know, that's that's. Yeah, you know, I don't know. There's the more questions I have, the more questions I have. I know, I know. Did you uh, did you catch Dave Zeitlin's piece today? Yesterday, I, I did about just <laughs> God. soccer has been heartbreaking in Philadelphia, especially. Yeah. You know, and I I think we're finally nearing the end of this union season. Which mm-hmm. I think no one, everyone just wants it to be done at this point. Um, and the particular, I, I thought it was a nice insult to injury that uh, Orlando isn't even going to bring Kakaf for the last game. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> great. Seems about right. Thank you very. He little. was like. I'm not going to play that Philadelphia no, game. No. I, it doesn't really seem necessary. At this, you know, and they made a lot of great points. And I think this, you know, you, because last year you felt like the arrow was pointing up, and this year I don't think you have that feeling. No. And I mean, had, I, th- I think you had, you had. I mean, we've been blabbering a lot of these things, but you had you know, your big three guys out of that draft either go backwards or sideways through injury or form or uh, whatever. Um, you know, there's a big question mark. Is Blake going to be here next year? Is he going to get an op- you know, opportunity to play overseas finally? And are they going to cash in on that? So I think that's a huge question mark. You have a question mark. You know, I, I think he's staying, but you still have a question mark over your coach. You know, what the situation was that? I, you know, reading, reading Dave's piece too, I was just, it, I just, it renewed my sense of pity for fans, soccer fans in this this area because there's so many good ones. Yeah. They're, they're smart fans um, that that know the game well, that that participate in the game probably in a lot of ways, um, and we all deserve better than this. You know, I think it's Union tough. fans, and, USA and, fans. You know, it's it's just it's just been such a tough season and such an unfortunate season in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it made Tuesday so, night just that much more hard to swallow yeah. for me too. And. Um, just a lot of missed, you know, a lot of missed opportunities. Because, like I said, the arrow was pointing up, and now I don't know where it's pointing. I don't know if it's down. I don't know if it's sideways. Yeah. It's not up right now. And I don't. And I t- we talked about. I think last week or the week before. You don't have that urgency out of the front office that they have to do something to push forward. They have to really do something to kick in in gear. And yeah. it's it's a yeah, you know, it's tough. <laughs> It is, uh, you know, I have personal commitment for the the last home game, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be there, and I I don't care, <laughs> honestly, I don't. I I've covered six years of Union soccer. I, I'm just about done with it. Wow. <laughs> I, it's 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 it's. I keep saying it's tough. It's this has been such a tough season, and they've there was like, I think. Two or three, like three, four game blocks this season. Where okay, we're going into it. okay. This is make or break for the season. They really got to get four points out of this, six points out of this, seven points out of this. They'd get one, two if they were lucky. Yeah, and those early in the seasons, and you know, but the, bizarrely they're on pace. You know, they, they they have the most home wins. That could be on pace for most wins overall. That's nice, but. And it's not been a good team. But, no, it hasn't. And it, it's just been tough. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say. 
Yeah, at, I mean, at this point, I'm, I mean, we, we I'm relieved that hockey season has started. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a hockey person. Yeah, so, so am I. I think the Flyers are looking up. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm probably gonna get killed for this, but I'm a Devils fan. Yeah, we know, we I know. know. I'm, I'm from North Jersey. What do you want from me? <laughs> they scored 16 goals in three games. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and all kidding aside, it's been kind of a tough road for the, for the Devils last few years. I mean, yeah, they, oh god, they, it has. They, you know, they've had so many cap and financial and yes. issues going on. So, so many been, issues. So it's been a tough road. Yes. And you know, the Flyers had some issues like that where yeah. uh, where they had to dump salary. You know, it took them two two couple years, couple seasons, to dump all a lot of bad salary. And yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I mean, I follow the Flyers living in Philadelphia, yeah. and I think it's it's it's. It, Going to be a more fun year for I, Flyers I fans it than it was last year. You know, uh, and, I'm excited and, to see the the, and, the, the draft pick. Yeah, uh, Nolan Patrick, I think, is going to be excited. I think Claude's a little rejuvenated. Claude Drew's a little yeah. rejuvenated moving out on the left. and So so we'll see. So we might do it's, a hockey podcast, yeah, actually. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's better than talking about the Philadelphia <laughs> Union every week. Uh, so let's, let's before you know we get too suicidal up here, let's uh, man, let's uh, wrap it up. I want to thank, once again, Jeff Carlisle for coming yeah. on and joining us. It's good talking with him. The good last talking two weeks. with yeah, and I, I I'm glad he was able to come on with us and and I, th- I think there's going to be a reckoning for U.S. soccer. Yeah, there is, and there's going to be accountability. That's something I think U.S. soccer has lacked, and it's lacked going all the way back to the Kelly Porter team that didn't qualify yep. for the Olympics. There was no accountability for that happening. No, and Porter just kind of quietly went away and went to Portland and. You know, everything's hunky-dory. Fine, you know, he's had success in Portland. It's fine. But for what happened there, there was never any kind of reckoning for that. And that was that was one of the things you could start pointing to is, yeah, it was. Okay, that gen- okay, this is a generation of player that's struggling, that's not qualifying for things. Because bare minimum, if you're a coach, I've always said this, bare minimum, if you're a coach on the national team, within the national team system, either senior team, U-20s, Whatever level, bare minimum is to qualify for an international tournament out of Concacaf. Yes, that is the bare minimum yes. you should do. Because you, it, it, I mean, the way the world should be: you and Mexico, USA and Mexico are the powers in this region. The third team is you know Costa Rica, Honduras, whoever. It kind of rotates there. The way you know, I'm not saying this is our birthright, but given our population, our resources, yes. the fact that we have yes. you know a, pre, a relatively strong domestic league, yes. I think all of these things point to exactly what you're saying. Bare minimum, you should do that. Yeah. And when you stop doing that, or you really mightily struggle at those levels, and that feeder team, the, you know, the feeder system going up to the national team is starting to get stunted, that's where the rot set in. That's where the problem, yep. I think, lie. Um, so on that, I want to thank, again, Jeff Carlisle for joining us. Mike Cervetio is always my uh, co- our co-host here, and we'll probably catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>